This is a Siku University Australia podcast, where we talk to some of the university's interesting characters. Hi, I'm Priscilla Crichton. I'm today talking with Peter Lawrence, who is the videographer and photographer at Siku University. Good afternoon, Peter. Hi, Priscilla. How are you? I'm pretty good. Um, Peter, you've spent a lot of time working at the university. How long, in fact, have you been here? Um, it's been a long, long time. Started in uh, 1994, 12th of January 1994. So that's uh, 22 years. Okay, so it's a career in the making. I mean, you first started out living in Frankston in Victoria. So can you tell me about living in Frankston? Uh, yeah, Frankston is a, a place not unsimilar to, uh, dissimilar to uh, Rocky. Um, in fact, I call uh, Rockhampton, Frankston without the surrounding suburbs <laughs> because it's a mix of uh, people and, um, and places. Uh, we had, in Frankston, um, it had a place called The Pines, which was a working-class housing commission area. And then we had a place called Mount Eliza, which was extremely rich and with beautiful big houses overlooking the bay. So it sort of uh, was a mix of... Um, all uh, classes in the in the one area, and Rocky's a bit like that too, from Depot Hill to Mount Morgan to the Range and all that sorts of area. Allenstown, where some of the more salubrious members of our society live. So uh, Frankston, uh, and again, Frankston was the end of the railway line, and where the train ends is where you know the people who live the furthest away from work are. And uh, you know, they, a lot of it is Struggle Street and and the, and the sort. So um, Frankston was an interesting place to, to grow up. And how did your first interest in uh, video work and photography come about? Uh, I had a teacher at school. I mean, we all have one teacher in our lives who makes an impact upon us. And mine was Jim Conquest. I still remember him vividly. And uh, and he was a real eccentric sort of teacher. He used to wear brown corduroy pants and uh, cardigans and and he was the drama and film and television teacher in those days we used to shoot film and uh, super 8 films and I remember I fell in love with uh, shooting films and doing drama and performing and all that sort of stuff so I really loved all that and he was a great teacher and very supportive Um, there was a dark room at the school which I didn't know about he said you know here's the key get in there play with the chemicals shoot some film process some photos I remember developing a photo and watching it come up in the in the chemicals. I mean, nowadays it's all digital and done on a printer and what have you. But in those days, you hopped into the dark room, loaded a film up, processed it, looked at the negatives, um, made a print, and watching the actual image come out of the chemicals was uh, pretty fantastic. So I became a school photographer, and uh, he said to me one day, "You know, you can make a career out of this." And that was the first time I thought, "Wow." actually want to be a photographer and uh, so I did some study uh, did a teacher training course in video worked at a couple of tv stations and and uh, now I'm here at the uni and and loving it. Can you tell us a a little bit about working in tv in those early days? (laughs) (laughs) Well television is a very um, incestuous business once you get into it you can be stuck in it for forever and there were a lot of crusty old souls where I worked at Channel 10 in Melbourne the old Nunawading studios and um, 
I got into the into the business on the ground floor, as they call it, in a place called staging. Staging are the guys who sweep the floors, um, clean up the place, move sets around, and get things ready. And we had a lot of great uh, great shows at Channel Ten in those days. Things like Perfect Match, um, the Comedy Company, um, Mass for You at Home. <laughs> Daryl Cotton uh, had a show called uh, the Saturday show or something like that so um with marty the monster and some other things so it was a, it was a great variety of shows and uh it was the television industry and i was on the bottom but i worked my way up to videotape and then into operations and a few other things so it was a great place to learn but one day as it does happen in the industry we all got retrenched in one hit and a friend of mine who was working in rockhampton at, at the tv station up here rtq7 um, I rang him up and I said, I've just been sacked. And he says, I know. But he said, don't worry, there's a job up here. Come to Rocky and work at RTQ7. And I said, well, you know, what's that like? I, having been in the, the centre of the television industry in Melbourne, I thought, oh, a regional station, do I really want to do that? He said, come on up, it's only 12 months, you know, you'll, you'll love it. And regional stations are different to metro stations because you get to do a bit of everything. You can... Um, do camera, you can do videotape, you can direct, you can write scripts, you can basically perform, you can, there was just a whole range of things to do. Again, a lot of crusty old blokes there, but guys I still know now and, and who taught me everything that they knew, they were so willing to, to teach you what was going on, um, it was just a fabulous place. So after 12 months, I'd been promoted and I stayed for another 12 months and then I got promoted again. Then I ended up hosting my own show, which is a another story. Can you tell us a little bit a bit about that uh, regional television shows? In the old days, it was just RTQ7 and ABC. They were the only two shows. So RTQ7 had the choice of all the networks to pick the shows that it wanted, and it also made local programs. So making TV is expensive, and you know um, a regional station would usually only make a few little programs for the local area. Things like holiday fun and games, um, uh, Janine's Jamboree and a few other things. So they were all done on the cheap, in, in-house, and uh, but great fun and, and lots of fun. The morning show was like a, a talk show and a few other things. So working on them was a great learning experience. And so you moved to Rockhampton and you worked at uh, RTQ7, which later became Wind Television. How on earth did you get to the university? Well, uh, one day I was playing golf, and uh, actually I got all my television jobs through golf, Um, and I was playing with this guy named Alan Honeysett, and Alan was the head of the AV unit, or what was called the Educational Media Section, EMS, here at the uni. So um, he said to me, big, big, tall guy, and a real sort of gruff sort of character, he said, what do you do? And I said, oh, I work at the local TV station. I said, what do you do? He said, oh. I run the AV unit, which has a TV station in it, at the uni. And he said, you should come out and see me one day. And I said, oh, I'll do that, because I I had no idea that that there was a TV station here at the university. So I came out to see him, and uh, he showed me around the the studio, a three-camera studio, control room, edit suites, voiceover booth. It was fantastic. Actually, it was better than RTQ7, and they had all this gear that was just fantastic. And uh, he said, oh, I need someone for 12 months. So again, you know, I'd been 
humming and ahhing about going back to Melbourne and it'd been one year, two years, three years, four years. And I thought, oh, another 12 months in Rockhampton. Can I do it? And the, the project was to work on programs for SBS television, educational programs for SBS. And he said to me, um, you know, it's only 12 months. That's all I can give you. And can you run this machine? I looked at the computer that was there and I had no idea. But I said, yeah, I can run that. <laughs> he said, right, you got the job. <laughs> so I went back to work and I'd been a bit sick of RTQ7 by that stage because we were not making as many local programs. We were just making news. We were making a lot of news for all over Queensland from the one spot. And work had become a bit of a drudge. And, and so I went went out to the uni to work just for 12 months. And we made some great educational media programs for SBS television, went out on location and did split screens and did interviews and did role plays and added music and did all the editing. I learned how to use the editing machine. I used to come in on a weekend and get the manual and sit there and try and work out how to do it. (laughs) Alan had no idea that I didn't know how to use it, but in the end got it going, sent the tapes off to SBS. And they loved it because every other university was just doing talking heads and sending in the tapes. Because you had to fill half an hour of television time, which is a long time. And uh, most of the videos were just churned out talking heads giving a lecture. But I'd done interviews and overlay and music and little skits and all this other stuff to make it into real television. And they were, they were wrapped and everyone at the uni was happy and we did a whole lot of programs. Then the guy who was the full-time video guy, he left. So they said, do you want the job? And I thought, oh, another 12 months. By now, I'd met someone, fallen in love, bought a house, had a baby. So here I am. I'm still in Rocky after 20-odd years. So how has your job changed over the past, how many years has it been? 22. 22 it's years? It's changed a lot. Oh, holy moly. Computers, digitisation, digital... Now I'm a dinosaur and, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of things I just don't know about. Um, I'm too old to learn and change and, and uh, it, it is. It's uh, social media, the whole, the whole thing of videos and content, photos being, being spat out so quickly. I mean, you used to take photos and get them developed. I mean, you had time and you could select and edit. Now you shoot something, people are looking for it two minutes after the event is over so they can tweet a photo which is fine it's exciting and it's great and the cameras are excellent but you know one more year of this um before we go peter i've just another question about a fetish i heard you have for street maps yes well we all have our own little secret passions don't we and we know what yours is priscilla <laughs> uh, but we won't tell the listeners um I, yeah, I love maps. I've always loved maps. And even as a kid, I used to draw my own imaginary cities before SimCity. I really had the idea for SimCity before it became a computer program. Of course, it's a bit old hat now nowadays. And um, maps, are, maps are old things because now we've got GPSs and on your phone you can have the phone tell you where to go and all that sort of stuff. But in my day, you sat with a map and you worked out where you were going, what road number to go and where to go and all that sort of stuff. So I had this deep affection for maps the way they were they were laid out and melbourne is a big complex place you know to get from one suburb to another can involve a lot of you know navigation so i remember sitting in the back of the car while my dad drove and he used to get us lost 
all the time. He was chronic for, oh, we'll go here, I know this way, and da-da-da, and, you know, he got us lost. So I would save the day with the map, street directory and the map. So I always remember looking at maps, drawing my own maps, doing that sort of stuff, and, um, you know, eBay. What a terrible thing eBay is, because there were these old street directories that people were just throwing away for a dollar or two, and, and I bought one, and then I bought another one and I found an old one and oh, just ridiculous. <laughs> Stupid as it sounds, I collected street maps of Melbourne. But it, but to me, they're fascinating. They show how the city has changed. I don't live there anymore. And in fact, I don't want to live in Melbourne anymore because it's, it's a place I haven't lived for 20 odd years. So, you know, over 20, 25 years maybe. Um, and so actually just looking at the maps is, is, is still fascinating to me. It's, it's bizarre, I know, but we all have these, deep within us, we all have these strange fetishes, I'm sure. Mm-hmm.